Mic on. Uh, greetings, folks. This is Joseph speaking. Welcome. I haven't done a podcast for a long time, but now I'm back in. Uh, just for you guys' info, we're taking a little break from the prophets from the prophets and kings series. And uh, I was given some content, courtesy of Larry Hubble, who's the Michigan, uh, he's the Michigan coordinator for the community services for the blind. And he's a good friend of mine, and he gave me the winter camp videos, which were taken from the winter camp 2021, and gave me permission to put them on the podcast. So the first one you're going to hear is going to be from winter. These dates are from February or January 31st to February 7th. So the first one you're going to hear is from Sunday, February 31st or January 31st on the evening of winter camp. You know, the first day of winter camp evening. So enjoy this meeting. It's about an hour long. So I hope you're blessed by it, and thanks for listening. And thanks for your uh, thanks Hangouts for your content, now. Larry. Night manager, Mohammed to night manager, mic off. Mic on. Sorry about the little gap. It will start in a few seconds. winter camp for for the blind and physically challenged this is the first evening January 31 2021 it's 7 p.m. I believe due to COVID-19 Camp Asabo has been closed down so we are having a virtual camp meeting at the Holly Michigan Seventh-day Adventist Church to try to maintain social distancing, we have a panel of six people at eight-foot tables. Also, we have seven-foot canes, so we can maintain six-foot distancing while guiding the blind person around. The program tonight will be as follows. Welcome and announcement, song service. Remembering how God has led us in the past. And tonight we're going to have Pat Page. She was the director for the 
Canadian Camps for the Blind, and she needed a winter camp 22 years ago. And so she came to Camp Asabo, and she's going to tell her story. Uh, we'll do that. And then we'll have prayer. We'll have special music. And then we will have the Bible lesson by Pastor Fred Calkins, and then the closing prayer. And now we'll have the song service. My name is Pam, and I'm going to be leading your song service. And today we're going to do it a cappella because we don't really have an accompaniment just yet. Um, the first song that we're going to sing is, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High, if you could join me. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen? Amen. How about, I've got joy, joy, joy in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down, down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. I've got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus, down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart, I've got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus, down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy. So very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the peace that passes.
sending down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And we're going to, um, our last song that we're going to sing um, before our theme song is Above All. And we do have accompaniment for that. Um, Larry has chosen um, 412 in the hymnal for our theme song and we'll just sing the first part of it not the chorus I don't know you if you have if you know a cover with his life but I'll go ahead and sing through it and get you acquainted with it Jesus, sinless is he, Father impute his life unto me, 
verse. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for your attention. Hopefully we'll have some accompaniment so you won't have to listen to me a cappella. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pam. Appreciate you coming and helping us out. Well, right now I'm going to attempt to make a telephone call. It's 15 minutes after seven, and so we'll see if this works. Now I'm gonna call them, now I gotta turn this thing on. The red light's on, is that okay? Okay, it's working. Now let's see. Hello. Hello, Pat, how are you? I am fine. How are you? Well, we're all doing fine. Now, maybe Good. did I describe to you what kind of situation we have here? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hearing you right. You're not hearing me good? No. I must be getting a, a, something from someplace else. Okay. Because I, I'm watching you on the screen as well. Okay. You don't hear me? Okay. Now, Pat. Okay. Now I hear you fine. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, we were just talking, Pat, that it was 20, mm -hmm. 22 years ago or 21 years ago, I guess it was, that you started the camps for blind in Michigan, but they were a That's right. but they were a Canadian camp. Now, can you tell us a little bit of how it is and why you did that? Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Everybody else? Oh, good. Yeah, we can hear you, Pat. Oh, good. Was that David? Yeah. That was David. Yeah. Yes, I remembered your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gracious. Um, I, I, as, you start, as I started, as started to sing above all, I started to cry. I, I just couldn't get over, you know, because it just brought me back to camp. And that was some of the most wonderful times of our life, I think. Um, I know it was for our campers, both in Canada and the States. So let me tell you how it started. When I was brought up, I was brought up in Sarnia, Port Huron area. And I, um, every year, the Sarnia and Port Huron churches would go up to Camp Osable on the 24th of May weekend. And so I was familiar with Camp Osable. And then we heard about summer camp at Camp Asable for families. And as our family, we started to go. And the one year, I guess it was uh, 1998, 
Gary Serber was the camp director. And, you know, I saw all the wonderful equipment and everything, and I thought, oh, wouldn't this be just great for our blind campers? Because they can't go down to Colorado, so wouldn't it be great to have a northern blind camp? And I talked to him, and that was when it was born. So 1999, we decided to have it. What happened was we didn't know how we were going to... to um, we didn't know how we were going to um, have volunteers or anything, but just about that time, all the students in, um, oh my goodness, you just put up a picture of me. <laughs> all the students at Kingsley College, which is our Adventist school here, great uh, um, high school, had to put in so many hours a year um, or before they graduated. So we um, asked um, if Kingsway would like to use us as a mission project, and they jumped at it. So that's when we got all of our, our um, students, and we got campers, and everybody was just so excited because, you know, they were going to a winter camp. Well, um, the sighted guides were just amazing. Although, you know, the whole camp wasn't without some opposition from some of the people that they, of course, had to have um, leave school for a week and this type of thing. But, you know, it was such a wonderful opportunity for both students and the campers. By this time, though, of course, we had talked to the United States and asked, how about you guys coming with us? and we could have more people, and we could just have it as an international camp. And began a wonderful friendship between the Christian Record people and campers in the States and the Christian Record people and campers in Canada. It was just great. Um, I think that was the first time I met you guys, wasn't it, Larry? No, I had met you before, quite a bit before. I think, but I think camp was about the first time I remember. But we, but we, that was the first time we really worked together. Yeah. And that was, and that was great because we could, we could um, plan things out and everything. We had so many activities going on that, you know, you were busy from day one. I remember the year. Now, the the first year it was amazing. The the. Um, students actually sang a song at the talent night and it was all about the camp um that year everything was um and we did snow skiing and drank lots of hot chocolate and then we did this and drank lots of hot chocolate and then we did this and drank lots of hot chocolate <laughs> i think i think ralph made about 70 gallons of hot chocolate that year it was just unbelievable we just had a great time you know and, and meeting everybody for the first time. I, I got I to gotta mention David, because when David got out of the car, and I looked up and up and up some more. And he, I thought to myself, my, I hope I don't meet him in a back alley. You know? <laughs> and, and, now, and then when I met him, it was like I called him the gentle giant. You know, because he's just so calm and... And, and between him and Fred, um, they kept us laughing all the time, all the time. Yeah. 
the years that we had, some of the things we did, um, we had a Winter Olympics. One year we had no snow, so we went go-karting. I think they remember that. Another year we had no snow and wasn't we went to Traverse first, City. Wasn't, wasn't that the first year, Pat, that they didn't um, have Was it the first year? Seems like it. Could have been the first year. I'm, I'm not, I can't remember now, but I, I, they've all sort of all going in together. Could have been. Let me tell because you about. Because there have been other years that we had to leave early because of storms coming in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then one year we went to Traverse City, if you remember that. We had no and snow. we spent the afternoon riding around on the merry-go-round. Right. <laughs> Dogs and all. And people thought, what kind of idiots are riding around like this? But that was a blast. We had so much fun, you know. Yeah. And one year we had, remember, a, a spa time. Uh -huh. And we had a, a massage therapist from Canada, and I remember Myrna doing reflexology, and I was, you know, soaking people's hands in hot wax while their feet were being massaged. I tell you, we had so many wonderful times just doing everything. But I think the best time of all was our camp councils. And in the morning, we would have a we would have a camp pastor, and most of our years we had Pastor Jim Ryan. I think maybe David would remember him. Was he was the boys' dean at Kingsway College. Yeah. And uh, I remember the discussions we would get into, and before we would start, of course, in the this was in the morning. We would we'd gather around and decide what we were doing for the day and everything. But in the evening, we would have beautiful music, just like tonight. Um, I, I was just so happy with those songs. You know, I, I, I was singing along here, too. Um, and, and then um, we would always have a trivia. Do you remember that? Okay. And I would ask, it was always America against Canada. And, Amer and Canada always won. Well, usually, yeah. <laughs> but I would always ask the Americans Canadian questions yeah. and always ask the Canadians American questions to see who could get the best. <laughs> yeah. I know that there was a little bit of cheating going on, especially in that role with David and Fred and, um, oh, what was her name, Karen. And <laughs> just all those ones. It was just, just having a wonderful time. Just, just what a blast. But then Jim Ryan would give us such a, a beautiful message. And it seemed that in that setting that, I don't know, you just became closer to each other, closer to God. Um, it, it, it was just, um, I've got to tell you about the one night that, that I remember the most. And even now, I, when I think about it, I start to fill up. It, I, I can't remember um, how far along was our camps because we were no longer after 2013. So um, it was obviously before that. And um, it was before my, my son went away to, to university. So it was probably about 2011 or so. And here we were um, we had had a beautiful service, 
And Pastor Jim, we had we were we were actually in the campfire room, you know, not in the big um, auditorium, but where the fireplace was. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Jim had all of a, all of the guides and um, the sighted ones surrounding all of the campers in a big circle. And we were all holding hands, and we were singing side by side, and um, this is the air I breathe, and above all, and I remember singing this, and I remember the tears coming down my face, and I was standing beside Kevin, and he was just, the look on his face was one of just pure joy. And you could feel the Holy Spirit entering that room. It was just an amazing, amazing um, feeling, right? And afterwards, I, I talked to one of the, the students, and actually it was my son, whom I, I never thought would this would, but he said, Mom, I felt the Holy Spirit come down, yeah. and he says, and I fell into my chair. You know, Amen. this was not just for our campers. They were the ones that wanted it in the first place, but it wasn't just for them. It was for the rest of us as well. Amen. You know, and right. every year, the, it seemed like the, we always had at least one student that was struggling. And and when that happened, I always took extra special um, looking out for that student. The one student, the first year he came, by the last time he came, he was in grade 12, he was the student association president. Hmm. Another one, um, he he came and he was just so like, nobody talked to him at school. When he went back to school, he was in with the in crowd. (laughs) And you know, he's, he's got his doctorate degree now. Amen. On grade 12 graduation, I was up on the platform because they had asked me to do something because it was my son's graduation. And I looked up, and there was one of the boys that had made sure that I didn't know. One of the boys from Blind Camp, and he says, the reason I'm here is because of Mrs. Page in Winter Camp. Amen. And he was baptized. It was was amazing, amazing. And, you know, back in 2007, our our campers were saying, you know, twice a year isn't enough. We want to get together besides. So that's when um, Charles Thomas and I and Felipe um, decided that we would start a, a fellowship. And we rented a hotel room once a month. And we had a, a, an all-day service with the, you know, we, we provided food, you know, the, the Sabbath meal and, and all the things. And we just had a wonderful time. Well, this has kept on. And um, on November, in November 2016, our little fellowship became inaugurated into the Sisterhood of Adventist Churches of the Ontario Conference. Amen. We are the only one of its kind in Can- in North America. The, what is unique about our church is that 
myself and the other couple volunteers are Seventh-day Adventists, but 95% of the members are not. So this is a real teaching opportunity. And as I was telling you, Larry, last Sabbath we had our our time together, and uh, I told them about this. So hopefully there might be some of them joining you this week. Well, praise the Lord. So we want to, we want to welcome all you Canada, Canadians to our camp. Yes. I hope there's some there. Well, I'm sure there is some out there, probably some that we don't even know about, you know. Maybe so, yeah. Right. Well, I thank you so much. memory for all of us, Pat. That's what did what did he say? He said, "Fond memory for all of us." Take your mask. Oh, thank you, David. I I know, I know. Devin said to me the last oh, about a, about six months ago, I was talking to him. He's in Bermuda, by the way. He lives in Bermuda, and he said, "If you ever speak to David, tell him I said hi. I'd like to get hold of him sometime." Well, I'm saying hi back to him, man. And, uh, okay. Fred can, Fred can give you okay. my number and he can call me. All righty. So if, does anybody have any questions or anything they'd like clarification on? I'd be happy to, you know, and then I will listen to the rest of the program. Anybody have any questions for Pat? No, I don't. Rodney wants to say hi. Hi, Pat. Hi, Rodney. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I remember you very well, too. <laughs> now, now, Sparky, you want to say hi to Pat? Hi, Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi, Sparky. supposed to pick up my microphone, so that's how this works. You can take your mask off while you say hi if you want to. How you doing, Pat? I'm fine, and who is this? That's Sparky. Okay. Colin. I, Colin. I have a, it's a little bit harder hearing from that area. Yeah. yeah I have trouble seeing, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm weird anyway, right, David? He, he said he had a hard time seeing, so we're good, he says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both equal then. <laughs> My vision's got a lot worse too, Pat, but I'm still getting along. And I talked to Fred Great. quite a bit, and Fred hasn't changed a bit. Wonderful. Are you still lifting weights? I'm still pumping the weights, and don't worry about me in the dark alley. You're safe. Yeah, no, I, oh, I know. I know I am. I know I would like to have you there if I needed you, that's for sure. Well, just... I got Goodbye, site. Stop you from trying anything. Just might want to mention that... You might want to tune in at 6.30 on, uh, we'll see if we can get the people here to do it. Uh, 6.30 Friday night, David wants to be baptized. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. I will definitely, 6.30 Friday night. Friday night. Thank yep. you. Yeah, that's Eastern Standard Time. Yep. I will definitely be there, David. Praise the Lord for that, my friend. Definitely. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll definitely be there. Well, good. Well, thank you so much, Pat. We appreciate you answering your phone. Some people. Well, no problem, and I'm just so happy that um, it just kept on going. You know, um, after we were 
after we were no longer able to um, do it, um, I am just so happy that you took up the torch, Larry, and I kept it going. Of course, you know, uh, first of all, of course, uh, I can't say her name now. Oh, dear. Um, it's Christian Record in, 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 yes. in, yeah. in Lincoln, you know, did it uh, for a while. And, uh, uh, boy, got a blank head. Uh, Diane. Peggy, Peggy, Peggy Hanson. Oh, Peggy, Peggy. Peggy, and then, and then when, uh, then when they got done away with all of us, you know. Yeah. Then it was the Michigan Conference that took took over, and so for the, this is the fifth one for the Michigan Conference. Is uh, a sponsor. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same your same legacy if you allow us to say that, you know. Oh, definitely. You can call it <laughs> your many anniversaries as you want because yep. it was for all of us. Right, right. Well, thank you very much, and I guess. But we, thank you. Okay, real good. Okay, blessings on all of you. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a blessing. Okay, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, today we thank you so much again for all that you've done for us. We thank you for Pat and Ralph and the Canadians that started this winter camp for the blind. We ask that thou continue to bless them in a very special way in their new church that they've started not too long ago. We ask that thou just guide each one of us as we talk about you. May the Holy Spirit come into our hearts. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now we have the special music. It's going to be special, I'm pretty sure. I just wanted to thank Larry for letting me join um, Blind Camp. When I was a teenager, I was part of Blind Camp in northern Wisconsin. And to prepare for Blind Camp, <laughs> I, I hear a chuckle, we had to spend two days blindfolded. And that was night day. And as a teenager, it was quite interesting. Um, and then we had a week of Blind Camp and it gave me a huge appreciation because my blind friends were probably the most humorous people I had ever met. Um, the best um, sense of humor. And I had an absolute wonderful week out of, we, um, I was a camp counselor for six weeks and my blind camp was probably my best week. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and sing two verses of Nearer, Still Nearer.
You don't have it? That was the one that you pasted, wasn't it? like to welcome our our teacher to his class pastor Fred Calkins you know a few years ago uh, he had a 50th anniversary of graduating from Adelphian Academy that's just over here just a little ways around the corner and he preached to the class about light yes I remember and I thought, 
oh, Lord, are you telling me that I need to teach my blind people about light? And, and so, so I asked Fred if he'd come and be our camp pastor. And it so happened at that time that every pastor in the Michigan Conference was tied up in a <laughs> ministry meeting up at Camp Asabo or someplace. I couldn't get a pastor here. The same problem was in Kentucky, but you know what? He convinced his president to let him come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we've been good friends ever, th ever since, I think. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyway, I'll shut up and let him talk. <laughs> Yes, and I did preach that same sermon on light to the blind campers that year. That was about two and a half, three and a half years ago. So I had to prepare something different this time, and it's nice to have, oh, there's a dozen people here, and there's probably two to four dozen that are, are uh, doing the virtual thing. So uh, I know that it's more than just these few people that I see, but I thank you for my blind friends up here on the platform. They're supposed to be my amen corner. I decided to, to share with you from um, Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith that are listed there in Hebrews 11. I'm going to do a dozen of those in, in my series this week. So um, Hebrews 11 starts, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, I have learned through my years of ministering to the blind folk, some of my blind friends see spiritual things more clearly than some of my sighted friends. So I understand what it's saying there in, in verse 3. The things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Then verse 4 speaks of the first of these heroes of faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which Abel obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. The title of this message is that Cain and Abel are still fighting. Sometimes brothers look alike. I have a brother that looks a lot like me. He's just a couple inches shorter. But we, we do. Um, all of his children, all of my children have at one time or another said, Hi, Dad, and then looked and said, Oh, Uncle. <laughs> we look that much alike. So uh, sometimes brothers act alike. And this brother Keith and I have a lot, of, a lot of mannerisms that kind of share. We even laugh similarly. But sometimes brothers don't. And more importantly than how we look or act on these casual things is how we relate to God. And your relationship to God is not based on bloodline. It's not based on who your daddy is. It's based on what connection you have made to the God who loves and saves. Biggest issue is choice. How you choose to see the world how you choose to see life. Your view of God is going to impact your view of the situation around you. 
So these two brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain was older. He was a firstborn son. And I think when he was born, Eve thought that he was the promised Messiah. She, she named him Acquired. She was thinking that he was the Acquired One, the fulfillment of her dreams that we would get rescued from this pit of sin that she and Adam had dug for us. Well, you see how that happened, how that turned out. Cain was a complainer. Cain was one who couldn't be satisfied. Cain was one who thought that he could bribe God, that he could do enough to make God like him. Whereas Abel had a different view of life. Cain exercised an attitude of unbelief, which leads to rebellion. Cain saw God as demanding, domineering, controlling, and with this attitude, he could not love God. The attitude of these two brothers is revealed in the offerings that they brought. We have the story, very, very few words here. It's in Genesis chapter 4, but um, enough. I've already spun through the first three verses process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now we've got to realize God had given very clear instructions what he wanted offered to him and he had even helped Adam in that first offering the slaying of that first lamb and now these boys have grown I don't know at what age they were expected to make their own offering, to establish their own first-person relationship with God. In today's society, we know that there's some uh, level of maturity to, to take your own responsibility. Somewhere around the age of 10 or 12 is often the age that we baptize young people. They are old enough that they're making their decision for Jesus, and they commit their lives to him. Um, 18, you're considered old enough to go to the military. 21, you're old enough to buy alcohol. We have various numbers. Oh, and at 16, you can get to drive a car. We, we have these levels of maturity that we look at in our society. I don't know what it was in that society, but probably about those same ages. Both Cain and Abel were old enough that now they needed to do their own sacrificing rather than just trusting in daddy's sacrifice. The choice that they made was not, did not, their attitude was demonstrated in the choice that they made. It was not that their choice caused their attitude, but rather their attitude caused their choice. Abel recognized that God is good. God is gracious. God is kind. God is loving. God has blessed me. And so he wanted to say thank you to God. And he said, how do you want me to say I love you? Well, God had already said, bring a lamb. This lamb was a symbol of Jesus. Abel recognized that. He recognized that he was a sinner in need of a savior and that God had provided a savior for him. And so he was ready to acknowledge the gift of Christ in this lamb. So he brought a lamb, as had been instructed. 
Cain, on the other hand, thinking of God as demanding, he wanted to satisfy this angry God, and so he brought the best that he could produce. You can recognize the flaw in that reasoning because we cannot do anything to make ourselves good enough to go to heaven. We cannot make ourselves good enough to belong in the courts of glory. Abel acknowledged his need and accepted the righteousness of Jesus to cover him. Cain said, let me do something so that you're obligated to save me. You can recognize in this elements of virtually every false religion. An attitude of works righteousness. That I can do something that's going to make God have to do something for me. This does not recognize that God so loved that he gave. No, it says, I want to earn my salvation. Yes, God wants strict obedience. But he knows that you cannot provide obedience. He knows that we cannot do right in our own strength. All we can do is say, thank you, Jesus, for coming and living in me and allowing me to do that which is right. So... Abel brought this lamb without blemish. But I think if we looked at those altars, we would have been blown away with the beauty of Cain's altar, and we have, would have thought that Abel's altar looked, well, bloody and gory at best. I think Cain had a cornucopia of beautiful, beautiful fruits, vegetables from his efforts at growing these plants. And remember, this is pre-flood. This is sh shortly after they had been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. These were huge <laughs> fruits and huge vegetables, tasty, sweet, luscious. It was beautiful. And even that extra large pre-flood pre lamb probably looked puny. But Abel, in faith, brought his lamb, put it on the altar, and knelt down beside it and said, Lord, I acknowledge you as my God. I thank you for the promised Messiah who covers my sin. I believe that God answered by fire. We have, pre we have enough stories in the Bible about God providing fire to demonstrate that he accepted the offering, that I really think I'm, I'm right on that, that when, um, when God accepted Abel's offering, he sent a bolt of lightning to consume that lamb. Pretty bold stuff. No question that he accepted Abel's offering, but Cain's offering just sat there in all its beauty. And it may have sat there for weeks and begun to rot. Cain was angry. Cain was upset. He was embarrassed, but he wouldn't admit the embarrassment. He, he wanted to have the approval of God without honoring the instructions of God. Cain was angry. He was angry at God. But he was also angry at his brother because Cain's 
selfishness was shown up by his kid brother's righteousness. We had to be careful about that. It's very easy for any of us to get so satisfied with what we're doing and thinking that what we are doing is right and righteous, that when we see someone who is really doing righteousness, we blame them because things aren't going well for us. What we need to recognize as we think about this, Cain did partial obedience. You catch that? He built an altar. He put an offering on the altar. But he did not do what God had said to do. Partial obedience is disobedience. A phrase that I gave to my children when they were young, and they would be slow to do what daddy told them to do, I would tell them, slow obedience is disobedience. That's true in the human relationship. When daddy says do, it's not a time for you to say, well, let me think about it. I wonder if I need to. How soon, how long can I wait? When we, our parents, give us instruction, it's time for us to say, yes, thank thank you for telling me what to do and for us to do it. How much more then when God tells us what to do Do we need to honor his instructions quickly? Slow obedience is rebellion. It's disobedience. Partial obedience, disobedience. Cain was in rebellion against God. 1 John 3 verse 12 says, Cain's works were evil and he was jealous because his brothers were righteous. Cain and Abel are still fighting. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is happening. It is happening today. It is happening. There are people whose lives are being forfeit because they stand tall for Jesus rather than doing what the society around them asks them to do. 1 John 3.12, Cain's works were evil. Now, as Abel saw Cain doing this rebellious act. I'm sure Abel came and said, Brother, if you'll only do what God said, he'll accept your offering. And Cain got angry about that. And I'm a big brother. I have kid brothers. It's hard for the big brother to listen to the little brother and say, You're right. But sometimes we need to just... Accept that rightness. Overcoming power comes because of Jesus' blood. Revelation 12, verse 11. There's nothing in this account about Adam and Eve. The, verse, the, the chapter starts with Adam and Eve having a baby and then another baby. And that's all that it says about Adam and Eve. But they were very loving parents. And I am sure that they poured out their heart to their son and said, Son, God had said, this is the way, walk ye in it. Please do that which is right. And Cain said, thanks, Dad, but no, I'm going to do my own thing. He's going to have to accept what I offer him. Rebellion. In time, 
God spoke to him. The story gets really exciting. Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, what are you angry about? Why do you have a sad look on your face? Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Folks, when we are in rebellion, sin is in our life. God says, get the victory over sin. How do we get the victory over sin? Not by fighting the sin, but by turning to the Savior. God is the one who gives us victory over sin, and we turn to him. If you look at the sin, you'll be drawn to the sin. It's by beholding that we are changed. What you choose to look at is what you're going to become. Let's look at Jesus. Um, sometimes we, ha- we wish we had more details of how this all came down. But God is gracious to us. He knows it is not good for us to look at sin, for us to think about sin, for us to dwell on those stories of wrongness. And so they're told very briefly in Scripture. Plenty enough detail. But he knows that it's not healthy for us to watch those violent television programs or movies. The story goes on, verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. It doesn't say that he used a knife, that he used a club. We know that he didn't have guns because guns hadn't been invented yet. He could have used his fist. There's plenty of ways to kill, and we're not told how, and that's probably just as well. But after Cain had killed his brother and left his brother lying in the field, God came and spoke to Cain again. The Lord said to Cain, verse 9, where is Abel your brother? And Cain replied, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? That was a lie. Cain knew exactly where his brother was, but he did not want to talk about it with God, and so he lied to God. God answered, verse 10, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And Cain, ever the complainer, my punishment is greater than I can bear. That's typical complaints from those who are kicking against the pricks, turning against God, doing what God has not asked them to do. I believe that we are living in the last days of this world's history. And God is pouring out his love upon us. He's showering us with his love. Many, many tokens of his grace come into our lives. You should be able to recognize every day tokens of God's love for you just the very fact that you're breathing. I have a friend who, when I ask him how he is, he says, I'm still looking on the green side of the grass. Hallelujah. There's so much to be thankful for. Our mindset, our attitude of thankfulness and praise to God will empower us to bring those right kinds of offerings to God, empower us to acknowledge the grace that God has given to us. 
Adam and Eve sinned greatly. That was a terrible sin that they did, and it threw all of us into sin, yes. But they repented, and they found grace in God. Abel, too. Yes, he's the first person in this world to die. And yes, he's the first Christian martyr, yes. But he died saved. He died, and he's looking forward to glory. We will see Abel when we get to heaven. That's going to be such a good thing. But Cain, confronted with his sin, a gross, ugly, messy sin, he did not repent. He tried to justify and satisfy himself. People today are still excusing their sin. And if you ever speak to somebody about any particular sin they have, you'll find that they always say, well, my, it's really just a little sin. Whatever sin anybody's doing, we always define it, well, it's just a little thing. Well, friends, I think that some sins are worse than others. Don't get me wrong on that. But there's no sin so small it can't keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Any sin is a big deal if you let it hang on in your life. We must give it to God and find his grace, his power. Anybody today who is excusing their sin is in rebellion. They're in a lost state. So I close with this invitation. Accept Jesus as your Savior and allow him to clean you up so that we can, there at the foot of the cross, acknowledge that Jesus has died for us and rescued us from this pit of sin that we have been wallowing in. Gracious Lord, we bow before you, our God, our Savior, our King. As we look at this story of Cain and Abel, the foolish choice that Cain made, and the righteousness of Abel, Lord, we want to be wholly thine, O oh Lord, wholly thine. We invite you to cover us with your life and cleanse us from all sin. Empower us to stand for truth and righteousness now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Appreciated that. Thank you for everybody that come. And thank you, Pat, for your testimony. May God bless you and, and all your people in your church. Well, I think that we need to close. Seven o'clock in the morning comes pretty early. And you know what? Three o'clock? Okay. At three o'clock, some people get up. <laughs> to get to work by six, five, five, all right. So anyway, um, my Aunt Bessie always said we have to go to bed. The reason why is the bed won't come to us. <laughs> so we ought to get where we're going to go and, and uh, get back here. We, we probably ought to need to be here uh, kind of set up about quarter to seven. Okay. So, so that means we need to be here probably six o'clock.
30, you know. So that, <laughs> so anyway, good night. God bless. See you tomorrow in the morning.
mic on. Well, that's all for now. Till next time, bye-bye.